Sixers Fix with Scott Ninnis. Join one of the Adelaide 36ers favourite sons as we deep dive into everything past and present about one of the most storied franchises in the NBL. It's Sixers Fix, your Adelaide 36ers podcast. Hello and welcome to Sixers Fix with Scott Ninnis. And our fingers are crossed, everything is crossed, that we're just over 24 hours away as we record this to an Adelaide 36ers game again in the NBL. It's been another long break. This time we went into the break on a high, though. It was a fantastic win over Melbourne United. It'll be almost two weeks until they play again on Friday night. But now, let's look forward to that game. Let's hope it's another win for the 36ers. And that means we've got plenty to talk about on this week's show because that was a great win to talk about. This was our first time to be with you since then. Plenty happening across the league as well. And instead of Ask the Coach, we've gone with Ask the Legend this week, thanks to Sports Card World. So that's going to give us plenty to dissect. I'm Chris Pike, but the only man involved with every Adelaide 36ers championship, Scott Ninnis. It's been a bit of time in between games, but how do we find you this week? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, uh, Chris. It's... Um... Oh, lovely, uh, lovely day here in Adelaide today, and uh, gee, that game seems like a long time ago, doesn't <laughs> it, does. it? Probably, it probably because it was, and it's uh, mm. it's uh, it's such a shame to have such an exciting game, and uh, you know the atmosphere at the game was fantastic, and yeah. uh, I, I I really got caught up in 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 the game. It's uh, I don't think I've been that excited about a game for a long, long mm. time, and it was. Uh, you know, it felt like that maybe this could be the the tipping point. We're on to bigger and better things, and. Uh, had Brisbane supposedly coming in four days later, and then yes. uh, COVID hit again. So uh, mm. it's it's just a you know if you're looking for a positive out of it, um, you know they had a couple of guys that are bang, banged up, and I think it'd be good for Cameron Bearstow to get uh, yes. you know get off his feet for a few extra days. I think you know he probably wasn't expecting when he uh, came in here as as a bit of an insurance policy that he was getting up being mm. the been the star of the show and playing yes. a lot of minutes, so uh, I think him getting off his feet uh, and uh, you know just rehabbing a little bit will be good for him. And uh, I guess we just hope that uh, the momentum we got from that game, you know, the confidence we would have got from that game can uh, can translate into another win. Mm. So um, I know that you know there's a couple of guys that. Uh, that got COVID um, yep. within within the group. Uh, they're coming out of quarantine today, I think. So mm. they're not they're not even joining. They're, they're flying up tomorrow on game day. On game so day. Yeah. you know, and they've been sitting you know inside four walls for the last week. So uh, that you know that's not ideal preparation. But once again, everyone's going through it at the moment. It's just the teams are going to adapt, and uh, yeah. you know the next man standing you know, standing up and, uh, you know, getting perhaps a few extra minutes than what they're used to. And uh, um, it's not like Brisbane, um, you know, they've been up and down as well. So mm. it, should be, it should be an entertaining game. Yeah, it will be. We'll talk about that plenty more later on. Now, before we get into business at hand, Scott, we've gone with our Ask the Legend for this week's show, thanks to Sports Card World. Now, I haven't given you a look at the questions in advance. Are you a little bit nervous about what, what some of our listeners might have sent through? Mate, when you said Ask the Legend, I thought we must have been getting Brett Maher and Mark Davis on. But, uh, um, but uh, oh, look, I, uh, I, should I be nervous? There'd be a couple of smart asses out there that would be love to throw me a couple of curly ones, I reckon. So, uh, no, bring it on, mate. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm good to go. If I don't know the answer, I'll, I'll make it up as usual. But, uh, uh, no, looking forward. It should be a lot of fun. No, so am I. So we'll get to that later on. Um, 
Now, this break, it couldn't have been any more different leading into it than the last one we saw before Christmas. So that that month-long break we saw before that, they'd had the horrible loss the 36ers did over in Cairns. This one couldn't have been more different. This was the probably the best win of the season. Overtime win against Melbourne United, who were on an eight-game winning streak. How much different do you think it is having a break after a win like that compared to the last one when it was the the worst possible loss? Oh, I think it's a difficult one to answer, mate. Like you, yeah. uh, it, it's you know you want to be playing as soon as possible after both those scenarios. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you've you've had the that horrible loss. You, the first thing you want to do is get back out the court and try and rectify what went so horribly wrong in that game. But by the same token, you come off a tremendous win and uh, you just want to keep that momentum yeah. going. So uh, it, it's a tricky one. And, and, uh, Brett and I went in and uh, went into the club yesterday and we were having a chat with CJ and, and Jamie and, and the management and uh, I just, you know, I made the comment, I, I couldn't even imagine, you know, playing or coaching under this scenario. It's just, yep. uh, it's unprecedented. We've never seen anything like it before and, and you know, Jamie's, you know, he's trying to scout for one team and they end up playing <laughs> a different team with, you yeah. know, with about two days to, to yep. turn around for that. So it's just... It's all over the place, and I think you know you just have to be as adaptable as possible and as as flexible as what what you can be because you've got people coming in and out of training, you know, people in uh, you know in lockdown, people with COVID, and and that's affecting people in in various ways from you know the severity of it. So it's mm. just you just you know you just got to <laughs> you're just starting with a clean slate, and you're just going to have to take whatever you comes at you on a day to day basis, yeah. but. Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine doing it myself, mate. It must be uh, <laughs> must be unbelievable. Looking back to your playing days, was the best part of being a player um, playing the actual games? I know that's a stupid question, but was training the worst part? So the closer the games were, was that was that the best scenario for from a player's point of view? Oh, absolutely. You know, you mm. you, you know you want to be playing and you want to be playing lots of games, and we we, we had times. Yeah, you know, with some of the uh, you know more stricter coaches we've had, where yeah, you, know, you might be training twice a day, and, and you could do ten trainings for one game, and, and oh, it's, you, it's just, I think people for, people might forget you had Gorge as a coach. Gorge and Dunlap, he was a, he was another <laughs> yes. one, um, yeah. but. Uh, yeah, as a player, you just want to play games. If you're playing games every two or three days, that's a that's a player's greatest. Yeah, uh, yep. uh, you know, that, that's what you want to be doing. Yeah, it doesn't give you a lot of time to to recover and rehab. But you know, some of the training sessions, some of the uh, previously mentioned coaches you had there were, were harder than games. So um, mm-hmm. it's uh, yeah, I, I think as a player, you love to be playing. Um, that's what you you know, that's what you get up for, and uh, to to see how you match up against, you know, opposition teams and players is, is you know, is, is a great thrill. Now, before we go back almost two weeks and talk about that game against Melbourne, um, we have to go back a couple of days earlier than that to the game in Tasmania against the Jack Jumpers. And that, I guess in hindsight, given the Jack Jumpers are now on a four-game winning streak, that loss doesn't look quite as bad. But at the time, it felt it felt like a pretty devastating blow for the for the 36ers, they didn't play well. They they lost a game from a probably from a a winning position. Um, shot the ball horribly. Twenty four turnovers on that night. Um, obviously, a few days later, things got a lot more positive against Melbourne. But how were you feeling after that that loss in Tasmania? Oh, it was a it was a terrible loss. It was uh, 
There's no real way of trying to find positives no. out of that game. It, uh, yeah, it does look a little bit better now with mm. with the Jack Jumpers into the four and on a four game winning streak. Yeah. But but still, that was that was a game that we uh, yeah we should have won. Um, yeah, they had twenty more shots than us. You're not going to win too many basketball yeah. games. I was talking to Jamie Perlman about it yesterday. I mean, our, our percentages were okay if you looked at it well, statistically. Well, yeah. they, they just had twenty they just more had, shots. And they still they had thirty five percent. 20 more shots and yeah. some of those turnovers were just, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you wouldn't see in an under-12s game. It was just, uh, it was like they'd all got, you know, forgotten how to play on the on the plane ride mm. down there. It was, uh, <laughs> it was it was just one of those games. But once again, you know, to play that poorly and then to be able to turn it around you know, a couple of days later was, was just something that had to happen and didn't. Mm. And uh, so once again, there's... There's a great opportunity to redeem yourself very, very quickly. Um, you don't have too much time to dwell on what happened in that game. You you, you address it, but then you, you have to move on and start preparing for the next team. And uh, it, it doesn't get much much more difficult than the reigning champions coming in. Okay. But uh, obviously it was, uh, you know, hopefully um, that can give them the confidence to get the season back on track. Yeah, definitely. So before we get to that Melbourne game, our Premier Winter was Player of the Year award. Votes for the game against the Jack Jumpers, Scott. I don't know if you've got the got it in front of you, but off the top of your head, do you remember which way you might have gone? Yeah, it was a difficult one. I think we we spoke, uh, you know, a couple of the previous games that uh, we didn't really want to give anyone uh, <laughs> any votes. Um, look, I it, it was a tricky one. I, I I ended up, and once again, this is you know three two one, mm. yeah. You know, in, when you really don't want to give out votes, uh, <laughs> I, I, I did go with Dusty Hannes with the three votes. Um, okay, I thought yeah. so. I thought he was, you, you know, he was, he was more he aggressive. Was, he was more aggressive, and I, you know, and I, I did like to see that. Um, yeah, did he play great? Well, no, he didn't. Um, but he, but he was, he was shooting the ball, and that's what I like yeah. to see from him. I don't care. Uh, yeah, if he shoots. Zero for ten from the three-point line. I don't care because yep. that's what he—that's what he's great at doing. And that's what he needs to be doing. So I gave him the three votes. So probably Cam Besto is probably a little mm. bit unlucky. Um, yep. I gave him the two votes. Um, um, you know, not a huge scoring game, but eighteen rebounds 18. is uh, mm. is fantastic in, in anyone's language and, and probably the more I talk about this the more I think I might have got it around the wrong way but anyway <laughs> I, I will I will stick with it and um, mm-hmm. I thought Kai Soto was, was good in his yeah, minutes um, he has been you know for the last last few games and I, I gave him the gave him the one vote um, so so yeah once again it was a it was a difficult game to give votes in because we just didn't have a lot, mm. of, a lot of great uh, contributors, but um, that that's the way I, why I went. Like I said, no, I'm no, sort of sort of thinking maybe I should have gone with Bears over the three, but I'll stick by my convictions and go with that for now. Gerald Ward, you can do what you like. Bears, <laughs> <laughs> um, he's got enough votes. He's doing all right. So uh, no, anyway, let's, I let's think continue after the on. Melbourne game, I think I think the leaderboard might be tightening up between Dusty and, and Cam actually after we get to the Melbourne game. So we'll wait and see. Let's get to that Melbourne game. Before we talk about what happened on the court, how nervous were you? Because they didn't play well in Tasmania. And then you're playing a Melbourne team that's on an eight-game winning streak, the reigning champions. And traditionally over the last couple of years, we've really struggled against United as well. So before the game, how nervous were you about what was about to happen? 
Oh, nervous as hell. We were yeah. we were talking that it uh, you know, it could have got downright ugly. Like you said, we mm. we haven't done well against Melbourne. You know, you look at look at them on paper, and there's there's fire there's depth firepower everywhere. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I there was a few little nervous uh, people in my section uh, before <laughs> the game, but um, you you could see. It was a different team. You, you could see it was there was a different mindset to the way that they came out in that game, and um, you know, right right from the get go, I, I felt good about the game. Um, you know, obviously that the second quarter was was terrific. You know, yep. outscoring them twenty one to eleven, and uh, I I'm going to say this now. I, I no one's going to believe me, but when the game went to overtime, I turned to one of my mates and I said, "We're going to win this game." He looked at me as if I was uh, insane. Um, <laughs> like, what are you basing that on? But I just, I just felt there was a, I, I don't know, it was just a feeling. There was a mindset about the team that, uh, you know, they were going to get it done this time, mm. and uh, and they did. And and obviously, Dusty Hannes was was mm. incredible on overtime, and and I was so happy for Kai hitting that, uh, yeah, yeah hitting, hitting that big shot with, with absolute confidence, and um, it was great because obviously, Bearstow was. Was was struggling physically, was you know. He he was he was tired, he, he yeah. was tired body, and he was body had enough. Yeah, yeah, and he was you know three minutes in, then out, and and playing in in quite sh- short spurts. So, yeah. you know, they needed people to turn up. I I, I liked uh, Todd Withers' game. Uh, yeah. Was it was yeah. yeah? I thought we might have been in a bit of strife when he fouled out, but uh, his, his first and, his first half was massive. He was huge in that second quarter to open up that. Uh, absolutely, and his, uh, I like it when he's aggressive because you know he's going to bring all the intangibles, he's going to defend, he's an upbeat guy, he's athletic. Uh, I like it when he's looking at the rim and, and scoring. I think that just gives us an added dimension that you know, then d- does make us tough to, tough to beat. You know, like uh, once again, I, what I saw in the preseason, you know, there was a lot of offensive weapons in this team, and unfortunately that hasn't been the way that it's that it's looked um you know during a lot of games this season but um um yeah look it was it it was such an exciting game i just mm. uh uh was uh you know everyone was up and about and 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 it looked like you know coming down the stretch we, we were just going to run out of legs and they were going to run over the top of us but um you know there was uh there was something left in them and uh yeah. you know what it was it was a it was a terrific win and it was um yeah it was great for the crowd that was there and it was mm. you know it was midday you know 12 30 on <laughs> yeah. sunday it's an awful time for yeah. for a game but uh, still five thousand people that was, that's a good turnout it's a great turnout, and and that's you know the thirty sixes fans should be applauded because yeah you know, we're getting games pulled out of our ass from one day to the next. Yeah. You, you know playing on a Tuesday night or you're playing mm-hmm. at lunchtime on Sunday, and, and it must make it so difficult for people to to plan because you just don't know when the games are going to you know as it is at the moment. We know the next two games are on the you know Sundays on the twentieth and the twenty seventh. But yeah. we don't know anything past that at this stage. So no. Adelaide crowds, you know, have got to be commended. You know, to, to still get five thousand people coming out, um, you know, at a basically at a minimum when there's been, you know, at weird times or, or not much notice, I think is uh, is a fantastic effort. So uh, hopefully that continues to build, and um, you know, that'll that'll help. Uh, you know, when you when you get wins like that against Melbourne United, uh, that certainly uh, gets people interested in coming along. That's for sure. Oh, for sure. Okay, so I believe you that going to overtime, you felt like they would win. But with a minute to go when Melbourne was up four, did you have the same confidence? 
I, I look, I mean, you get a little bit nervous, obviously, but I, I, I don't know. I just, I just, I, I thought that they, they didn't look phased. You know, they, they didn't look like, oh shit, here we go again. We're, you, you know, we're, we're going to put ourselves in a, in a situation where we're, you know, this team's just going to roll over the top of us. I just didn't have that feel about the team. So, yeah, was I? Would I put my house on it? No, but I did. <laughs> I did. I, I just had a feeling that um, you know it was going to be our day, and, and thankfully that was the case. Well, what changed it was subbing Dusty Hannes back into the game. So he'd he'd had a pretty rough night up until a minute to go in the fourth quarter. Until that point, he'd only played 13 minutes. He only had 11 points. Um, he hadn't taken a lot of shots. He hadn't hadn't hit a three-pointer. Um, he'd had a pretty rough night, and I had a feeling that CJ was kind of lo- losing confidence in him. But he turns to him. He hits that massive corner three that ends up sending it to into sending it into overtime and then he dominates in overtime um i mean it was remarkable that a guy who came in cold turned into the match winner and you know the previous two games of that he hadn't played a lot of minutes either and i think one yep. game was 12 minutes and the other game might have been 13 minutes and yeah. you know if you're an import in this league uh, <laughs> there's got to be some nervous thoughts going mm. through your head when that starts to happen and i you know, I've I've always been the case. I've, I've played for you know coaches who you know I've had a, players that they don't like or they stop playing them because for whatever reason. And I, my my advice is always the same: if you're going to go down, go down on your own terms. You know, go mm-hmm. down. You know, and, and in Dusty's case, I'm not saying he's going down, mind you, no, but I'm no, no. I'm saying you know if you if you're not getting play the minutes you like, um, you know, if if you're worried that they might be looking at making a change. Well, go out and do what you do best, and in his case, it's shoot the ball. And uh, I was yep. so so happy to see you know see that confidence from someone who, like you said, hadn't had a great game to that stage, but you know to turn around and basically single handedly win the game for us was mm. uh, was great. I had a bit of a uh, bit of text banter with him the next day. He was he was <laughs> they had a day off. He was keen for me to take him down to McLarenville and, and taste some wines, but oh, nice. that that didn't end up happening. But uh, <laughs> you, you could just tell that the. the you know, would have been a real load off his off his back yeah. to to come out and and play that that well and and make those you know those those game winning baskets. It was uh, was great to see. And the other thing I wanted to touch on, you mentioned it before, but for Kai Soto to have the confidence with the game on the line to take that mid range jumper, it never looked like missing either. He he hadn't been shooting the ball that well so far this season, but that shot never looked like missing. Never hesitated, and, that, and that's a yeah. great sign for a young kid to have that sort of confidence to just, you know, like he, he there was no question, bang, dribble, pull up, little jump yep. shot, and, and it yep. was a, it was a massive basket. So it was, uh, uh, yeah, it was great to see, and, and you can see him, you know, starting to gain in you know, confidence, and and you know he's getting those regular minutes now, and um, I think moving forward there's, there's going to be great opportunity for him. So uh, uh, it's it is it's great to see because he's he's just such a likable kid. You know he's mm. just uh, you know the, he is destined for, for big things. I don't think there's any doubt about that, and uh, it, it's great to see him now getting some regular minutes and getting the reward for it. Do need to get him on sixes fixed though. Well, I do. I uh, I tried to get him. I uh, sent him a message yesterday. Uh, he's a bit, little bit camera shy at the moment, so uh, we will get him on here and uh, watch our uh, watch our supporter base go through the roof once we get uh, get that out to the Filipino community, mate. They uh, they definitely love their basketball. So, but no, we will. Uh, I'll, I'll track him down and uh, we, we we will get him interviewed. Now, before I get your votes, one thing I want to touch on: 
how do we fix up the turnovers? Because 43 of them in those two games, um, let's hope that the break might have helped find a solution. I reckon there's a fair chance that CJ might have, might have mentioned it once or twice oh. uh, over, <laughs> yeah. over, yes. over the last couple of weeks. And it is, you know, we, we, we can laugh about it, but, you mm. know, there's not just too, just way, way too many turnovers. I know we used to have a, you know, if, if it was sort of more than 13 or 14 turnovers in a game, mm. you were, you know, you wanted to stay in single figures, but that was sort of an acceptable time, you know, to, to be, to well, be up that, that high well, yeah, to, to, but to be mm. up that high is um, is concerning, um, and they they just do they do need to be sharper with the ball, and um, you know they can't they can't you know, and there was some you know there was some offenders there, you know, Mitch McCarron had five, DJ had four, Besto had three, uh, well, Kai I had. Think Kai I think had, DJ might have had six against Tasmania too. Yeah, so he's yeah he's sort of got yeah he's the one that really needs to. I think have a breakout game just for his own confidence. He, he's yeah. in a bit of a, yeah, you know, seems to be in a bit of a holding pattern at the moment. He, he doesn't he doesn't seem to be getting, you know, getting the shots that he'd be used to. So, I, you know, I, I'd really like to see him being made the, the complete focal point of our offense. You know, and if he hasn't is, touched is, the is ball, that, is that his fault though as well? He doesn't. Oh, the, yeah, oh yeah, he be. yeah, yeah. He he's looked he he's looked offish the last couple of games. Oh, absolutely. That's. You know he's he's got to demand the ball and and when they huddle up, you know he needs to be calling his own number. You know he's he's the guy that's been doing this and and putting up numbers for a decade now. Yeah, you know, mm. we need we need him to be a focal point of our offense. So yeah, I think it's it's certainly on him to you know to, you know get me the ball, run me this play. You know like if he hasn't touched the ball. We've been down two or three times down the court, and the ball hasn't been through his hands. You know, to me, that's a red flag. To me, that the yep. next time down, it doesn't necessarily have to get the shot, but the ball needs to—he needs to touch the ball because he's going to be such a focal point for the, you know, for the other team defensively. Um, you know, that, that's it when it's going to open. It's going to open up yeah. for everyone, absolutely. So uh, uh, hopefully, he has a really big game tomorrow night and gets back to being the DJ of old that we we all know and love. Wouldn't surprise me. I don't see an obvious matchup there for him at Brisbane, so he might be able to, to have a good night. Robert Franks can only play on one of DJ or or Besto, so that that could be a could be a nice night for him to break out. So we'll wait and see. Now let's get our votes. Premier Wine to his player of the year. It's a funny one, because I, I would have thought with one minute to go in the game, Dusty Hannes wasn't part of the votes at all. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up with the three. I this is what this is the one that has I've gone back and forth so many times yep. to votes for this game and it's 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 a really and I don't think there's necessarily a right or wrong answer. Um, I gave the three votes to Dusty because he won us the game. You know that mm-hmm. was my my end rationale was you know without doing what he did, you know we don't win that game of basketball. Mm. So you know what sort of importance he put on the win? Well, we sure as hell needed the win. <laughs> Um, you know, and it, it almost could have been a tie between him and Bearstow because Bearstow just came yeah. out and did what he, what he has been doing every game for us. But I, I just thought that, you, you know, that brilliance of that, um, you know, that last, you know, the overtime and, and the last shot in regulation, even though it might have skimmed off the backboard just a little yeah. bit. But um, <laughs> uh, you know, I just, I just thought they gave it to him. Yeah, you know, Besto probably had a well, not probably Besto had a better game. You yeah. know, if you take it over the, you know, the forty minutes or forty-five minutes, but uh, you know, the fact with what Dusty 
did an overtime I thought was uh, just gave him the edge by the slightest of margins. So yeah, I gave him three, uh, two to Bearstow. You know, he just he's just has been solid as a rock for us. And uh, and and one vote to Todd Weathers. Uh, I, I thought he he set up the, that win for us. You know, like you mentioned with what he did in the second quarter. Uh, you know, Kai Soto's probably a little bit unlucky again, but mm-hmm. uh, to me that that was the that was the way I went uh, with with the three votes. No, no arguments from me. And what it means is the leaderboard's very tight. So Cam Bastow's still leading, but he's only got a one vote lead now on Dusty Hannes. And that's Dusty's a funny one. <laughs> we talk about how he needs to step up more, but the four games he's got votes in, he's all got he's got three votes in every game. So when he's on song, he's a match winner. Unfortunately, when he's not on song, he kind of disappears completely. Yeah, and that's uh, and that's once again. That's I think that's been the frustrations not just with him but with the whole team. We mm. we just haven't had that level of consistency. Um, you know, probably apart from Cam Burstow, you know, one one through twelve. So it's uh, that that is something. If we, if we're going to you know make any noise this year and and ha- have any chance of playing the finals. Yeah, we, we've got to find consistent games from Daniel Johnson, Mitch McCarron, Todd Withers. Yeah, every one of them. We're going to need to know every time we go out on the floor what we can expect, you know, what mm. we expect from all the players. And, and unfortunately, that hasn't been the case. And, and you've seen that with our you know, wildly, um, I guess, differing results uh, from yeah. wins and losses. Okay, let's take a little bit of a different tact because we since that game almost two weeks ago, we haven't had any 36s action to talk about, but the league hasn't stopped. There's been plenty happening across the league. Um, I want to start with the Tasmania Jack Jumpers, Scott. So I think we all felt like when they beat the 36s a couple of weeks ago that that was a bit of a, a lucky win for them and they're probably not going to win too many games. They're now the form team of the competition and they've got some of the form players in the competition as well. They're... Their imports are suddenly playing playing better. Will Magne's playing a little bit better. Um, Clint Steindl's playing pretty well as as their as their captain. But the guy I do want to get your thoughts on, Jack McVeigh, has been massive for them. He has, and obviously we saw that firsthand with him. Uh, you know what he what he can do when he's up and about and, and has the confidence going. And and you know they're a real confidence team. Well, most teams are confidence teams, mm-hmm. obviously, but. Um, you know they're they're playing above themselves. Uh, you know they obviously you know they've got an enthusiastic coach. They're they're junking up their defence and they're they're keeping people off their keeping people trying to take them by surprise a little bit. So it's amazing what you know what a bit of confidence can do. I, look, I I don't think it's going to last. I I don't expect them to make the finals. And mm-hmm. you know I I would think the bubble is going to burst. You know probably sooner rather than later. But it's it's great for the competition and, and it's great to see what, what happens when you've got a team that's, you know, playing together and, and has confidence in one another and has players stepping up everywhere. Uh, mm. It just shows you that, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be the most talented team on the floor. It's, uh, you, you know, the ones that are you know, playing together and, and staying positive and, you know, out there having fun. So it's, uh, I think it's, it's been a great thing to see. On the other side of things... What do you think's wrong with the Illawarra Hawks right now? Because on paper, they've got as much talent as anyone in the league, but they're really struggling right now. Lost three of their last four, and they've slipped out outside the, the top four. Yeah, they're all over the shop, aren't they? And, and yeah. you, you know, that'd, that'd be uh, 
driving Gorge crazy. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, the la last game, you know, they, they start Tim Conrad in, instead of yes. Sam Froling. So he's obviously trying to shake things up uh, up there and you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But it's, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, there's, there's something something not quite right. Look, they've got too much talent to, you know, to continue to, to losing and, and, you know, you know Gorge is going to, yeah, have them ready to play, and um, you know I, I'd expect them to turn around that round fairly quickly. But yeah, at the moment there's just uh, there's just something not quite right, yeah. isn't there? So um, yeah. it'd be very interesting keeping keep an eye on them over the next couple of weeks. You saw Melbourne United in person in Adelaide, obviously for that last game. Um, interested your thoughts on if they need to make a a addition or not? Dean Vickerman sort of flagged it a little bit after their loss to. Their, their loss last up when they lost to the Jack Jumpers. Um, he kind of felt like they aren't getting enough from enough enough people. Do you? Th they've got two spare import spots. Do they need to fill it? You've got to be very careful with that. You know, it's, it's mm. you know, like like I said, there's there's a lot of you know depth there, a lot of players there. You suddenly bring someone in, and and all of a sudden. You got a couple of people who you're used to playing, playing less minutes. You, you, you know, if you can do it without, um, I guess, upsetting the momentum of the, you know, the, the playing group and, and and making sure that they everyone's on board with it. I, I I think maybe they do need a little bit of a shot in the arm. Um, mm -hmm. But once again, I wouldn't be too concerned about. Uh, yeah, that that loss here could have gone either way, obviously, mm -hmm. and they, and they. Yeah, the jack jumpers would have been a you know that's a game they would have had penciled in, but um, yeah, you just got to be very very careful um, about what you do. I, I guess if the playing group, you know, I've understand since day one that there's import spots that you know that they may fill, well then it's, there's probably no dramas. But if you know things are going great like they were and they're on that winning streak, and you know no one was talking about them needing any anything then they were just uh, you know they're taking the league by storm so mm. um yeah you just got to be very very careful uh doing that and make sure that the playing groups you know is understanding of it and and know you're doing it for the right reasons a couple more things i want to get your thoughts on quickly um on our last show we talked about the wildcats announcing their 40th anniversary team they've now officially announced that it's interesting when we spoke a couple of weeks ago, we never never mentioned Nick Kay's name in the in the other shows I did with with Sean Redditch, Damien Martin, and Cody Ellis as well. Nick Kay's name never never came up, and that's because he only played two seasons, not because of any disrespect for not rating him as a player. Are you surprised that Nick Kay got that spot ahead of either probably Jesse Wagstaff or or Matty Knight? Uh, yeah, a little bit, I, I, and it's you know, it's like when we've talked about um, you know the the thirty six teams and and it was similar to us choosing not to go with Rob Rose before yeah, a similar, similar and, reason. And uh, you know, I, I had I've have Rob in my second team of thirty yeah. sixes. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, he's a better player. Yeah, he, he he was a superstar of the competition. Absolutely, and it's taking taking nothing away from Martin Catalini, but he had the longevity here. Mm. And the success with the championships, you know, Rob just had the, you know, had the two years here, and we we didn't win yeah. a championship either those years. So that's why, you know, Catalini got the, the got the nod for mm -hmm. me. But um, that would be my only thing is, you know, and, and you couldn't have had a better two years than what Rob Rose had no. here in Adelaide. They were they were astonishing years, and uh, you, you know, there was the best by you know any thirty sixer, you know, probably not named Mark Davis in, in probably in the mm -hmm. history of the club. So sure. it's. Uh, um, so yeah, that's that's that would be my thing. I I, I love Matty Knight's game. I, I think he was, 
you know, he really, you know, set a tone and, and I would have loved to have, to have coached him. Um, so I, yeah, I'd, I'd probably, oh, I'm a little bit surprised, yeah. I thought, uh, yeah. you know, two years is why we do these things and make lists because it's great to uh, have differing, uh, differing <laughs> opinions. Yeah, and as, as I said, the other one that was a little bit of a surprise was Mike Ellis missing out. Um, you've talked about the respect you've got, you've got for Mike from going back a lot of years and obviously talking to Cody about it. Cody got a bit emotional and he felt like it probably stung him a little bit more than he perhaps thought. Obviously, his dad's not going to give too much away. He's going to pretend it doesn't bother him. But to Mike Ellis go from the co-captain of the 30th anniversary team to not make the 40th anniversary team at all, did that surprise you as well? It does, and as you know, I've got a soft spot for Mike. Mm. And uh, you know, in those early formative years, you know, he was front and center, and and was an incredible leader. So, yeah, that that does surprise me a little bit. And like you said, you you go from a co-captain of the thirtieth year to not make <laughs> yeah. it. That's uh, uh, I guess you scratch your head. But once again, I mean, you're talking about you know the Wildcats are the most successful, easily the most successful team the NBL has ever seen. So there's you'd expect some some out and out stars to, to miss out on it and that's uh, that that's always going to yeah. happen I suppose yep these things are designed I guess to create debate and that certainly did it um, a couple more pieces of news fresh off fresh as we're recording this um, are you surprised that the New Zealand breakers have now made an made a change with their import so Jer- Jeremiah Martin is now is now gone Chasson Randall who has already with the team as an injury replacement but there was no spot for him he now stepped into that into that role. What's your reaction to that? I yeah, look, I, I yeah, I just feel so sorry for the breakers. I just <laughs> yeah. you know, like I I've been critical of uh, you, know, you know some of the antics of the coaching staff over the mm. over the last couple of years, but you know to have to go through what they've gone not just last season but now this season mm-hmm. again. Um, yeah, you know, how the hell do you get any mo- any momentum whatsoever? So, you know, they're probably just looking they've at... They've talked a little bit about it, how they see the teams they're playing against have a down game, but they bounce back because they've got the crowd's energy behind them. They haven't had that for two years. No, and, and that's, you know, you throw, I don't care who you are, you throw any team into that that sort of circumstance, they're, they're going to have their ups and downs and they're going to mm. have their struggles. So um, I guess they're just looking for... You know, maybe some sort of shot in the arm, or, or you know, maybe subtraction. Yeah, by, by subtraction, they're they yep. you know, they're going to be better, and guys are going to get more regular minutes. But uh, um, yeah, you'd just be you'd just be tearing your hair out if you were if you're part of that organisation. I'm sure they're you know, we all want to see the end of COVID, but uh, I would imagine no one more so than the New Zealand oh, Breakers. So <laughs> absolutely. Uh, Last one, another former Adelaide 36ers captain. Adam Gibson, as we would have recorded this or released this show, he would have made his comeback for the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I guess if you yeah you keep yourself in shape, and uh, mm-hmm. we've seen it, we've seen it in the NBA. They they're trotting out some of the old boys, yeah. and uh, um, you know, yeah, I'm doing the same with you know with my South Adelaide team. We you know there's every week there's someone's got COVID or someone's mm-hmm. in lockdown, so you're going to need bodies you're going to need numbers and you're going to need depth because it's it's just going to 
these sorts of things are going to happen. So oh, I don't, I'm not overly surprised. Uh, you know, if he's, you know, he's been around the team and you know, yeah. Gibbo, Gibbo always keeps us in pretty good shape. You know, what they're going to get out of him, well, you know, you, you know you're going to get a, a veteran leader who goes about his business. Um, you know, you're probably not going to get, a, you know, 20 points out of him and you're probably not, well, not probably, you're not going to get mm. the defence that he was once capable of, but, you know, you'll get an experienced veteran head who hit down the open shot and yeah. lead the team, get him into their offence and do all the things that, you know, he's done for a long, long time. Mm. Absolutely. And I guess just ball handling more than anything is what they need. They've got no Adnam and no Munford, so they need somebody to just bring the ball up the floor, which is what he's pretty good at and has been for 460 games. So um, that's been a lot to talk about, Scott. Let's take a deep breath. When we come back, we're going to put you under the pump. Beautiful. Bring it on. Okay, back on Sixers Fix with Scott Ninnis. And we're giving CJ Bruden and Jamie Perlman a break this week. It's time for Scott to be put under the pump by our listeners. It's Ask the Legend. Thanks to Sports Card World and Scott, you'll have to pick one of these listeners to receive five packs of the the current NBA Hoops trading cards valued at $75 thanks to Sports Card World. So a bit of pressure on. Do you think you're up to it? I'll give it a crack, mate. You know, I can talk <laughs> crap with the best of them, so uh, I will do, endeavour to do my best. Well, I've got a page full of questions, so let's get straight to it. First one comes from iBlitz. He's one of our favourites, and I don't think it's any surprise that we got a question about Kai Soto. I think you would have expected that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's asked, how much further can Kai Soto develop playing for the Adelaide 36ers? Will he need another year in the NBL before setting his sights on the NBA? I think so. I'd like to see him play another year uh, here in Adelaide. Just, just you know, physically, you know, to get stronger, um, you know, to understand, you know, what you have to do to, you know, he needs, you know, to keep developing his endurance. He, he needs to keep developing at the defensive end. Um, I think there's, you know, obviously the, you know, the opportunity to, to go and, you know, get drafted and, and make a shit ton of money is obviously uh, <laughs> is very exciting to everyone. But uh, I just feel that do the right thing in the off-season, come and play a bigger role with the, with the 36ers next year and, and potentially be a starter and uh, just keep developing, I think would put him in great stead, uh, you know, to enter the NBA the next year. I agree. I think that's exactly what he needs. He's probably not quite ready yet, but in 12 months' time, he could be a, a top 10 pick, potentially. It could um, be seven. It could be seven foot five by then too. Who knows? <laughs> he, could, he could. Now this one, I'm really interested to see how you how you handle. It comes from comes from Brad, who's got the the alias Hoodlum Six. Does Scott ever regret selling his brown charger? <laughs> oh dear, there's someone that knows me well. I regret <laughs> I regret selling that poo brown charger every day. I spent wow. so much money on that thing and uh uh yeah, got to the point I'd I'd moved back from Melbourne. I I had two cars. Uh we were always Chrysler or Mitsubishi family because that's who dad worked for for mm-hmm. you know 35 odd years. So I had a Charger and a Starion Turbo. My brother had a Cordia Turbo. Mum had a Galant and dad had an old Valiant and a work car. And we had, mm-hmm. you know, we had six cars in a, in the driveway. So I basically got told, 
you need to get rid of these cars. So, uh, <laughs> and and I part of my deal with the Sixers at that stage was uh, I got a car as, as part of my contract. So, okay. uh, regretfully sold the Charger. That thing would be worth. I'd hate to think how much that'd be worth now, that car, but mm. uh, um, it was a beast. Uh, I had to fill up <laughs> petrol just about every second day, but um, yes, I do miss that car. Is there any chance of Rebecca letting you find one to, to get it back in the yard? Not a slow snowflakes <laughs> chance in hell would, uh, would I have that thing rumbling up the driveway. No. <laughs> oh, there, you, there you go, Brad. Um, Andrew Simons is up next. He's oh. asked... Do you, know, do you know Andrew? Andrew Simons is the coach of Forestville. We played ah, uh, played we played against and coached each, against each other our entire careers. So, uh, and he's one of the world's great smart asses. So this this question could be anything. So uh, you, know, let's you might see. be surprised. It's actually a sensible, sensible, oh, wow. serious okay. question. Oh okay. Yeah, oh, very yeah, good. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he's asked if you could recruit any two Australian players to the Sixers for next season, who would you recruit and why? That is a simple question. Oh, yeah. I guess you. I guess you probably need to look at where you, you know, where you, your shortfalls are. Um, <laughs> look off the top of my head, you know, like, well, you're never going to get Mitch Creek back, but I mean that mm. that 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 position and, and that style of player would would you know, and that toughness would would you know probably catapult us into into the finals just by just by adding him. But like I said, that uh, you yeah, that chapter with the thirty sixes mm. is. It's done, and we we you, we don't need to t- talk about that. We no. we know what what went down there. Um, yeah. Nick Nick Kay's another one for me that you, you know, yeah. and I'm obviously talking about players that have got toughness and and just just an edge about them that uh, are going to make you instantly better. Um, I think you you bring him into the team, you, you know, like you know Isaac Humphries has hardly played this year. You mm. know, Bearstow, you know, was meant to be insurance for him and has had to take a bigger role. You, you know, you bring in a Nick Kay and, and make him one of your starters. You know, then you can play, you know, Bearstow probably off the bench and back in the minutes that, that he was probably thinking he was going to play yeah. when he was going to be here. So... They're probably two off the top of my head, and you know, not necessarily those players, but that style of player. Um, yeah. I think there'd be people that would probably be, you know, calling out for, you know, a, another ball handler to take a bit of the pressure off of, uh, you know, Mitch McCarron, and uh, you know, unfortunately, Aussie point guards, you know, don't grow on trees. Hence, hence mm. why we, why we, why we got Mitch, and you know, he's still, he's still finding his way in the team, and and you know, he'd be the first to say that he's had some ups and downs as well. But uh, that, that might be another position you could could look at to give him some help. Um, but uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, uh, well, if if you just stick with Mitch Craig and Nick Kay, I think that's going to make this team instantly pretty pretty good. So that that's stick with them. Um, Kyle Wood is up next. He's asked. This is a, this is an interesting one too, and this probably relates more to your South Adelaide job more than anything. What have you learned since your days coaching the Sixers that you would use now? Oh, that's that is an interesting one. Um, look, I, I think one thing that that comes to mind straight away is choice of import. Import. Mm-hmm. I think we as coaches are always looking for, you know, the all-round player who can do everything. You know, he can he can score, he can rebound, he can defend, he can pass. Um, well, unfortunately, there's not a lot of those people around. You know, mm-hmm. and if they are, they're probably playing in the NBA or. Uh, oh. Uh, you know, or, or a higher league in Europe or somewhere. I I think one of the things that I would do differently is just get an import who can do something 
better than anyone else, whether that's from a scoring point of view. I, I remember when we were when we were looking at imports, we watched a we watched a guy, you know, I can't remember his name. Um, he's had forty nine points in this this game that we watched and and could score from anywhere and he, he would have averaged 25 in the NBL yep. um you know the problem we thought is his man would have averaged 30 because he couldn't he couldn't <laughs> have defended you or me today but mm-hmm. but once again you you know you can get you can be good team defensively without you know having you know without having a couple of guys who aren't great individual defenders so that is one area I would I would just target someone that can do something really really well um, and uh, you know, I'm fortunate with South. We've, you know, we we've we looked like we're going to get a guy that uh, is a flat out scorer, um, and mm. really he actually likes to defend as well. So uh, that that's certainly something. If I had my time again, I, I would would have done differently. We might have a follow up question along those lines, which I'll get to shortly, Scott. So I don't know how much you are willing to reveal, but you we'll have the chance a bit later in this segment to to do it. So have have a think. Um, but we'll continue. Ashley Burrell has asked, who played the biggest role in your basketball career? Uh, well, it's, it's quite easily my dad. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he, he played basketball for South Adelaide before me, so I always grew up around around the court. He was my first coach at the Clovelly Park Church of Christ when I was about six years old, and uh, um, he always kept me, you know, kept me really grounded and, and never let me get too big for my boots. Um, uh, which I might have been doing on a, on occasion in my <laughs> younger younger years, um, and, and then I guess once I you know once I started playing in the NBL, it was you know probably every coach that I had the NBL you know not always in a good way uh, you know contributed <laughs> to my career, but you know Ken Cole was the one that I guess first discovered me for want of a better better mm. word, and and he was the one that invited me out to to train with the Thirty Sixes, so. You know, I've always got fond memories of, and uh, thankful for him for giving me that chance. Um, but yeah, the 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 simple question is is my dad. Fantastic. Um, Paul Omani is up next, and he's asked with the success of so many father son combos, and he's listed off Rick and Luke Longley, Dave and Ben Simmons, Bruce and Jonah Bolden, Cecil and Dante Exum, Rick and Jalen Brunson, Warwick and Josh Giddy. Um, who do you see as the next son of a father? Who played in the NBL to make it into the NBA? Oh God, mm. uh, Patrick <laughs> Patrick Ninnis. Uh, no, no, that's a few <laughs> years off yet. Um, I oh, mate, I, I really don't know off the top of my head. That's uh, that one probably has stumped me. Um, yeah, I should have done my research and given you some options. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. To, no, let's try no, and think who might be some father son options. With all yeah, due respect, Tad Duffelmeyer is probably not going to quite make it. Um, yeah, I mean, you talk talking NBA. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, R- Rupert Sapples, young fellas, uh, development player now with the Phoenix. Um, yeah. um, you know, he's got another son that's coming back from college soon as well. But um, yeah, I, I tell you but, what, what about either Harry or Sam Froling? Well, Sam Froling's probably the uh, probably the obvious one. You know, with yeah. his with his size and um, uh, you, you know his skill set. Um, you, 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 there'd be there'd be clubs looking at him at the moment. So. Yes, you've just reminded me of one. I don't think yeah. uh, I, I, I wouldn't be putting putting too many hard earned dollars on on Harry Froling, but um, no. I think Sam's got that got that skill set and that size that uh, would be very very attractive. What about one more? What about Keanu Pinder? 
he's he's had some good games, and and yeah, you know, we 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 you know towards the second half of the season when, when he got it together that um, you know he's got the athleticism, and um, yeah, the, the NBA is is a is a big reach. You know, you mm. you want to see him become a consistent NBL player first, and, and to be able to do it week in week out. But um, yeah, certainly, I think you know Sam is probably the obvious one. Yep, there we go, there we go. I think that's a that's a good answer. So up next we've got. Jalen Brown, and he's asked, this will be an interesting one too. I don't know. I don't know how you'll go with this one. If you were a GM of a contending NBA team right now, what trade would you try to make before the deadline and why? Pick any team for the best trade you like. Well, if the well, if the Lakers <laughs> if the Lakers want to do anything this year, they've got to get rid of Westbrook. I mean, mm. I don't know who in their right mind would have thought that adding him to that to that group you, you know made any sense whatsoever you know you, yeah. him and LeBron that are you know both need the ball in their hands so mm-hmm. yeah that was never going to work uh, you also had a guy like Carmelo Anthony who's you know, never won in his life it was mm-hmm. it was almost a bit like jobs for the boys so yeah. you know I think they're you know their record they're 26 and 29 or something you know, yeah they need yeah. they and I know they've had injuries but they they clearly need to make a move if 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 they're going to have any chance. And uh, you know, Brooklyn look like they're imploding at the moment, mm. and uh, as well. And once again, they they they've had some serious injury problems, and yeah, you know, then you got to deal with Kyrie Irving, which would which would be a barrel mm. of laughs. So uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, there, there's talk. You know, there's, I know there's talk about Harden maybe maybe moving on, but um, yeah, I, I guess I've gone with two teams now. I, I, mm. And to be honest with you. I, I I don't care who wins the, the NBA as long as it's not the Lakers and as long as it's not the Brooklyn Nets. Any, anyone, I hate this super team shit that yeah. just drives yeah. me crazy. I I would just rather see you know the Phoenix Suns or oh, yeah, yeah, just just any, anybody else basically. A, a smaller market team, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, just following up from that, where do you think Ben Simmons ends up? Does any sort of a deal get done with him? Oh, that that is that is just a schmozzle. I, you know, mm. like it. It depends how stubborn Philly are. You know, they could just yeah. sit him out for the year. It's it. You know that that's I guess is entirely possible. You know, there'd be a there'd be a lot of stuff on the table at the moment, and and it just depends. You know, how keen they are to move him on, but uh, they they haven't been in a, in a hurry so far. No. So no. I, I just that that whole situation has just been a you know just been an absolute disaster for them all. From all sides, you know, mm. Simmons is not getting good advice. Uh, mm. You know, I, I think, you know, Philly are being stubborn as well. But um, it's, uh, yeah, watch this space. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens, in, if anything, in the next few days. Mm. Yeah, it will be. Okay, Cooper Darms has asked. This one's striking your ego a little bit. What was the feeling like winning three championships, especially the two playing for your home team, Adelaide? Oh, incredible! I mean, that's what you play the game for. I mean, the first one came in my first year. You know, I'd, I'd, mm. I sat there and watched these superstars that I'd admired for a number of years, and then you know, get to get get to join them and win a championship. I thought, how easy is this? This is just, we're going to do this every year now. And uh, uh, so, yeah, the the home ones are fantastic. I mean, the the '98 one in in my last year as a player was. Just astonishing the way we did that, and, and to go mm. over and, and you know just demolish the Southeast Melbourne Magic in that second game was was just I mean that was that season was just that fairy tale ride where you, you know we we were decent during the season, but everything all just came together you know in the finals time. 
Um, you know, it, that was incredible. I mean, my, my championship with the Magic in 92 was, was the most memorable from a playing point of view because... You know, because I'd played played forty minutes a game in the championship mm. series and and played the point and chased Leonard Copeland round and and every game at that point in time broke the record for attendance at a yeah. basketball game in Australia and and the fact that we were playing the Melbourne Tigers, you know, the crowd was split. You know, it wasn't yeah. just a one sided crowd like you normally see. So the atmosphere was 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 off the chart and and that. You know that that uh, that was great. I mean, every one of them is great. I've been fortunate to be involved in in so many championships. You know, mm. you know five in the NBL. You know, two as an assistant coach. You know, four in the or six in the state league competition. Four as a player and two as a coach. The Siebel Championship. It's yeah. Every one of them has great memories, and I just feel very lucky to you know be around so many successful you know teams in in my career. Fantastic. Next up, Nick McEwer, one of our favourites. He's asked, who is the best teammate you ever played basketball with at any level? Not the best player, but the best teammate. Best teammate? I think for me it's Bill Jones, who was one of mm-hmm. our imports when I first started playing in, in, in 86 and, and, and oh, he's with the team in 85 and 86 and 87. Yep. And uh, um, he was just so supportive of of me and, and the younger guys around the group and was always giving us advice and you know I was, I was training every day against Al Green and Daryl Pierce and Mike McKay and mm. you know they'd, they'd tread over you know they'd tread on your head to get to, you know to, to, <laughs> to, to get a win so you know they they were competitive and, and as was Bill but Bill was Bill was the one who was always would take you aside and and chat to you and and you know make sure everything was going well so I, I've always Always had fond memories of him as a, a player, and and probably you know, probably Bruce Bolden was of that similar ilk as well. Mm. You know, he was uh, and he was the star of the of the team. But uh, yeah. y- you know, he he was yeah, he always had a you know a supportive word, and and yeah, once again, I've I've played with yeah you know, so many so many great players and so many great teammates. It's hard to narrow it down, but uh, yeah, Bill was always uh, was always a standout for me. Mm-hmm. Now Nick's also got a comment. He wants you to look up Eisenstone wines in the Barossa. He's happy to introduce you to the winemaker. You might already know them, do you? I don't, but I have looked them up. Uh, they look like they've... I, I haven't had the pleasure of having their wines, but uh, that will happen in the very near future. So I will uh, take Nick up on that invitation. And uh, you know, as we know, product research is a very important part <laughs> of my job. So uh, it's, it's important that I've, uh, I've cover all bases. <laughs> absolutely last one scott and then you'll have to pick a winner out of all these becky boots has asked who is your mvp recruit that she's been hearing about for south adelaide this season i don't know how much you can reveal but we're putting it on the spot I can't. I cannot reveal it yet because the club hasn't uh, hasn't announced it, and I'm sure they would like to uh, like to do that themselves. Um, it is a it is a past player in this league, so I'll give that out mm. as a little little hint. And okay. uh, uh, this guy can play. He uh, I think he finished second in the Woolacott Medal the year that he was here, and 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 was uh, the the club that he played for he was mvp of that club so uh he has he has signed uh so i can okay. say that but yeah i might get i don't think the exclusive <laughs> should be for sixes fix with scott Ninnis. i think i better let uh, uh the south la panthers uh throw that one out there first why else have a podcast unless you can make your own <laughs> on 
Yeah, because <laughs> they're, they're paying me to, they're paying me to coach and uh, I need that money. <laughs> that, well, that, that's, that's as good an answer as you can, can get. All right, Scott, I, I really enjoyed those questions. I think our listeners came through. I don't envy you trying to pick a winner. Who's, who stood out to you? Who's going to win the prize? Thanks to Sports Card World. Look, I think I'll give it to the one that asked me who my biggest influence one uh, influence was, and uh, that was my dad. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you know, my dad was such a uh, such an influence on my basketball career and life in general. And uh, he unfortunately passed away, getting close to eight years ago now. And and uh, you know, I, I I miss him every day, and I, I love to talk about him. So that. That question resonated with me, and uh, I think I think we'll give it to, to that person. Yeah, perfect. Ashley Burrell is is the is the man. So thank you for your question. Thanks to everyone for your your questions. We'll get you your prize. Thanks to Sports Card World. And next week we'll be back with one of the coaches. But that was a lot of fun. We we might do that a bit more often, Scott, because our listeners have have come through with putting you on the spot. So thank you to Sports Card World again for their support. Now, having thought we originally might not have had a lot to talk about, Scott, this has been a pretty pretty full episode. So that's that's <laughs> that's, that's, look ahead, that's look ahead to Friday night against the Brisbane Bullets. How is this game going to play out? Because the Bullets are really struggling. They've lost four games straight. They won't have Nathan Sobey, but we just don't know how the thirty sixes will come out after a, a two week break either. No, you don't. And I, you know, like oh, I'm a bit. Yeah, having a player out like a like a Nathan Sobey is obviously you know one of one of the real stars of the competition. I don't always necessarily think is a good thing. You know, when you go and you know a team's at, at full strength, you, you're preparing for that. Um, you know, you just never know who's going to step up in his in his absence, and uh, who who the hell knows what's going to happen in this league this year. It's uh, anything is possible. I think. Yeah, once again, we've got two guys flying in on the day of the game, which is not ideal, who've just been in quarantine. So you're not going to get uh, get a lot out of them. One of them is, is you know, <laughs> one of the guys who uh, we've spoke about already in this uh, yeah. podcast, and, and that's going to be cool. But uh, as as we've seen, you just got to go with what you've got. And, um, you know, you know, just uh, like I said, I'd really love to see DJ get back on on song and, and have, you know, have one of his 20 and 10 games. And I think, you know, if we could get that and make him a focal point, I, I think that that could uh, put us on the right path to another victory. Yep, that's hope so. So that's Friday night up in Brisbane. So we'll all be watching that closely. And then when we come back next week, we'll have a home game to look forward to. That's hope nothing nothing gets in the way to stop that, that happening. We won't jinx it just yet, but we will be back next week and we'll have a home game that we hope to be talking about this has been a big episode of sixes fix i hope you all enjoyed it i'm chris pike and i'll sign off and leave you with some wise old words from the one and only scott ninos uh nothing too wise today mate once again <laughs> it's it's just such a such a weird and wonderful uh you know season with, with all this covid crap going on and uh yeah if you're a betting man how how, <laughs> how can you confidently <laughs> suggest who's going to win this game tomorrow night but uh i i i hope with you you know they would have taken a lot of confidence out of that uh melbourne game um as we said you know guys like cam Burstow would have got the rest that they needed and uh and hopefully uh we go up there and uh, have a really really good victory <laughs>